Tim on Facebook writes, isn't gardening a seasonal activity, at least for us in the northern non-equatorial climates? One, it can be a seasonal activity. And I think we need to also think of the fallow rest period as part of the process. Yes. Like the, the resting is actually a, a need for yep. the system to work. Also, there has to be like a Netflix binge period built into the, the letting the ground do it. Right. I mean, because farmers back in the day really needed that binging season. Yeah, it's like bring it God indoors. Had so much foresight in creation. There you go. A time to sow and a time to binge. Welcome to episode 196 of Pup Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint of fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Brian Burkoff, Shannon Weston, and Ogan Holder address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And that brew might be one of these. Magnificent of theology like tumblers. Uh, where's yours, Derek? Did you not have one? Dude, have one <laughs> upstairs. Dude, listen, if you're not watching the video, the dude is like knocking back at like a frozen ice thing. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't care about a pint glass. I got my ice. There you go. This pub theology live pint glass. Son, or what, what happened to my video? I'm back. I don't, what just happened? <laughs> This is a comedy of errors right now. It's live. Uh, all right, let's try that again. Tumblr, $25, nokidhungry.org. Send us proof of your donation. We will ship you one of these free of charge. Thank you very much for your generosity. Absolutely. This week we'll be talking about time, the process of change gardening magic and more and speaking of gardening magic welcome back to the show derek weston woohoo derek master gardener thanks you're welcome you're welcome and segue there you go and he's here because shannon's taking birthday week off happy happy birthday to shannon woohoo shannon my wife is celebrating and celebrating by not being on the show so she, she might be she might be watching live and heckling us in the chat later. We don't know. We we'll, might be we'll, getting heckled as we speak. We'll so. see how yeah. that turns out. Good to have you back. Good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. We know you're you're enjoying a pina colada icy. What do you have in yeah. addition, uh, beverage wise? That is that is not where it's that's not where it ends. But, <laughs> um, I am drinking a local. Uh, this is uh, Peabody Heights Breweries Mira. Their red hazy IPA. Very um, awesome. And uh, they they um, they make a lot of good beers. This is this is just one of their excellent beers. So I'm I am down with their red hazy IPA. Yeah, let me know um, how that tastes. I've not had a red hazy IPA. It's real good. Okay, I'm a fan. Very good. Taste, taste is in the buds of the beholder. 
Still, still haven't found an IPA I liked yet. <laughs> uh, even not a hazy, not even a hazy one. No, come on, no, sorry, sorry. All right, you know, what are you drinking today, Ogan? I'm drinking uh, Groove City Hefeweizen. Nice. All right. I think that's. I think is that a local Maryland number? I'm hitting the yep. ball. To, yep. All right, Groove City, and and for my second beer because I have nowhere else to go after this. So two beer show. I'm uh, working through my uh, stack of Black is Beautiful. I see no lies. Black is Beautiful um, beer. So that's what's I, that's what's on for me I today. I almost got my Black and Beautiful, but it's in a gigantic can. And <laughs> I decided that um, I would be crawling away from the the recording. And you, say, and you say like that's a bad thing. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes a good crawl is what you need. What do you got going on, Brian? I actually have more drinking to do later tonight. So I have to. Well, there you go. Pace yourself. yourself. Yeah, pace yourself. So I am drinking uh, Bell's Oberon, uh, brewed right here in Michigan, uh, Kalamazoo. It's kind of a classic spring beer here in these parts. So hard to go wrong with a good Oberon. It's like a summer wheat ale. Bell Oberon is like an all day drinking beer. It kind of is. I'm sad to say this is the last of my six packs, so not going to be a two beer show for me. That's sad. That's a sad story. It is sad. So, if you could time travel, would you, do you think, go into the past or into the future? And how far back or how far forward? Um, definitely future, because I already know what happened in the past. I don't need to. I don't need to go back and relive it. Um. Definitely the future and probably far enough to where I think we all are like have individual flying machines, like somehow somehow I'm fascinated with that with that concept, you know, whether it's a flying car or we got jetpacks or something like that's sort of where I want to go. Right. I'm also, you know, that's a bit of the like the fantasy part, but I'm also really curious about the whole singularity thing, right? This technological singularity theory, you know, when 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 true true AI happens or the computers really become sentient, you know, we 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 watch Terminator and see it all goes to hell. But but when you actually talk to futurists and people who are really like this is this is their life's work. You know, they're they're saying that's really not what's gonna happen. Um, at least I don't know if that's more hope and optimism, but but they have no reason for that to to believe that that's going to happen. So so I'd like to really see a world where you know technology is really perhaps working in tandem with us for better, as opposed to right now. Generally, you know. Our individualized technology is like rotting our brains a lot. Um, yeah, so I, I like to see if that happens. So, in that singularity with you know AI advancing and all of that, does that include like some sort of neural link or whatever they call it, where where our brains connect into? Uh, well, it it could machine? be. I mean, I mean, Elon Musk is already done that with a monkey and a pig so i mean that's 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 all right did you not see the video of the monkey playing pong with its brain it blows your mind no pun intended that's a thing i didn't know that existed it's already here it's already here and you know if they're letting us see it done in animals there's probably some human in the basement hooked up somewhere oh no right so 
me die. Let me die. <laughs> it just like so, it feels like there could be an upside, but it feels like there could be a lot of downsides. <laughs> so, so I actually years ago at uh, this like symposium that my theological symposium that my seminary had, I wrote a paper sort of around this that kind of like blew people's brains because the whole topic was church of the future. And I said, when we get past that point, right, and and we're able to to hook ourselves up in the machines in that way, like like really go forward to a point where, yes, maybe because of technological advancements, we now have computers that really are powerful enough to map our brains and download the electrical impulses that are our brain. And maybe, you know, yes, we can store personality store store or memories maybe i don't know i'm fantasizing here but but the whole thing i was proposing was when that happens for real for real god will truly be dead right because now we've we've sort of ultimately gotten past death if we can replicate ourselves in that way we've gotten past death and and you know come on what is it nietzsche that said god is dead a century ago i mean resurrection is so last right so, so then my point is that then when this happened, church becomes less about the experience of, of recognizing, honoring, worshiping God, and it shifts back to now our, our humanity in a way, because now we're so, we're so technologically intertwined. What does it now mean to be human, right? So I went down this whole rabbit hole with this thing, and people were very upset with me. How dare you say there will I come a time imagine. when we'll have no use for God? I was just like... <laughs> I don't know if y'all checked out, but for many of us, we, you know, atheists have been around for how long? Like, like there are many of us functioning just fine without a use for God right now. <laughs> That's all I got. Fascinating. You should put that on your next like church call, <laughs> like, you know, letter of application. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting it, beyond it is, God. It, and- yeah. Listen, it is, it's the last chapter of my book, that book that I published in 2012. That was the last chapter. And that was the one that I got the most emails about. Right. Everybody's like, we're good with everything you said till the last chapter. <laughs> so you're killing God in the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, what about you, Derek? Would you go to the past or to the future if you could time travel? So I think we've asked this question before and my answer, my like flippant answer has always been like, I'm going to go forward because there's no time in the past where it's been good to be black. But right. I think rethinking that I want to go back far enough that it's good to be black. <laughs> right. There you go. So I want to go like that. I realized like that's, that's pretty far, but I want to do that or uh, to the future after um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos finished their war over the moon. So either the past or the future after the moon wars. There you go. To the Mars settlement. We go into the Mars settlement. (laughs) (laughs) So my thought is, I think the future is exciting because as noted uh, already, um, it's the unknown. We don't know where things are going and that's kind of exciting. But I, but in the, in the sort of like self-preservation aspect, I feel like if I go to the future, I'm at a disadvantage because it'll be a lot, I don't know, I'll be behind catching up. Whereas if I go to the past, I'll have a lot of stuff they don't know, which puts me at an advantage potentially. 
uh, just from a, I don't know if you call that. That, this, that is the most self-serving, egotistical response. You want to be a god. That's what you want. No, you want to go I'm back. I, you want to go back, and you want to be fun to know stuff that no one else does. You want to be omnipotent, don't you? You—that's that's where you want okay. to go do. <laughs> yes. Bet on a couple Super Bowls. That's it. Yeah, there exactly. I just want a little Biff, uh, a little Biff action, you know. See, and that's why I don't want to go back in the past. I don't want to mess up any timelines of anything. Like, <laughs> it never ends well. Tell, tell me a time where that ended well. <laughs> so, uh, I don't in know any movie you're... scenario. I don't know if you all have seen um, Umbrella Academy on Netflix, but yeah. we, we were watching that. Yes, and, love it. And there's so there's a point for those who haven't seen the show where these five siblings or six siblings or however many, they go back in time, but they land at like a different, they're all like spread out by a year or something. And my thought was, well, they all at the same instant land at different times. So they'll never catch up to each other because they'll each time keeps moving forward for right. each of them and they'll be on parallel tracks and my kids were like dad you're an idiot that's not how time works there's only one timeline and they'll catch up to each other i'm like really so i i guess i don't understand time travel well and like avengers endgame kind of threw out the idea that like all the things that previous time travel movies had that done it wrong and it's just going to branch off into different timelines so I, 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 I think we just shouldn't mess with time travel. I don't think we should. By the way, time Probably. travel, weakest like plot device and movie resolutions. I, I, I cringe every time. You know, unless, un I mean, granted, Back to the Future was, was a fun romp. But, okay. you know, like, I get disappointed. I, I That's kind of lost me with the Avengers a little bit in, in those. You know, like, you messed up. You didn't take Thanos serious enough. He whipped your butt, snapped half the universe out of existence. So we're gonna fix this with with a weak plot device of time travel. I mean, well, well, what we're ahead. seeing now with the new shows is that they they kind of still screwed up because. And that's are, why you don't time travel. People came back and it didn't work out all great like they they thought. So why you don't time travel? It, I, it I never do, it never ends well. I, I do agree. Time travel is kind of a a, a hokey um, plot device, but right. It feels always like whenever things go bad, well, we can always fix it. Like that, that's what time travel, yeah. the time travel element is. We've never arrived at what actually is because it's always off by a little, but we can always go back and fix it. And I think it's that human longing, of course, to you know, make things different than they are and to go back and change things. But and it does make it difficult from a storytelling perspective. And did we ever really get a chance to see if Thanos had a point I mean, like, well, the, I mean, the, the strain, I mean, think about it, the strain that we are putting on the planet right now, if Atlas were gone, like, you know, well, I mean, like they said that there were whales in the Hudson again, and I'm sure the sky was cleaner. Yeah. I mean, and, just look, look at what happened with one year of the pandemic, when we all stayed right. inside, right? <laughs> I mean, according to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like there was a lot more international cooperation and harmony while half the population right. was gone. So... So I'm not suggesting I'm not suggesting mass genocide at all. 
Not not suggesting it. Not not suggesting it. <laughs> oh, no. When I got on the website, remember that website to say, check on this website, see if you were snapped or not. Like I was snapped. So <laughs> I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool in theory. Wait. Wait. Exactly. No, no, this is wrong. <laughs> Somebody time travel. All right. I'm gonna move us move us along here. We've got a question <laughs> next, which asks, can you plant a garden to stop a war? It depends how you think about time. It depends what you think a seed does if it's tossed into fertile soil. Quote by Derek uh, Jarman, written as he grieved his dying friends, was facing his own death and contemplated things like art, mortality, and resistance while planting a garden between an old lighthouse and a new nuclear plant. So, right, there's this thing to the past. There's this technology that's providing us energy, but is problematic uh, regarding the future. And sort of like, well, here I am planting this garden. Does that make any difference? You know, how do you, how does an individual or a small group of individuals really bring about change? And can the simple act of something like gardening do that? So what do you guys think? Well, I think if you want to stop advancing troops, plant some bamboo the night before the war, because that, that shit grows fast. <laughs> okay. I once had a backyard with bamboo. Like bamboo can spread. <laughs> like there's there was no keeping that stuff at bay so i'm just saying there you go <laughs> we've got some next door and occasionally there are bam intentional bamboo fires lit just to contain its spread seriously man um so i am you know i i'm gonna be completely on brand here and say that uh yeah of course i believe that planting a garden um can can be um either itself or analogous to process processes of change that can bring peace um i think you know when you think about equal distribution of food when we think about just the 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 peacefulness that comes from working with having your hands in the dirt when you think about um the like the pro being in tune with life and death processes that comes along with gardening um, all of those things can be can be about um, bring about change for people. Um, so I, you know, I I am all for gardening as a means to world peace. I think we should at least give it a try. Uh, give give it like five years, see if it works. Everyone plants a garden, see how it goes. If not, then you know we could do worse. Another five years. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it was no accident that you know in the the creation myths in the Bible where you know you utopia nirvana it's in a garden yeah um and and you know granted who was writing back then everything was agricultural based but still I I don't I don't think it's an accident and I think there's something to be said when one is in harmony with nature um and you know how many of us go to nature for self-care and for and for respites and all that good stuff and how you know we we know the damage we're doing to ourselves by not honoring nature and you know cutting down the forest and all that sort of stuff so um i i, I think if i I, th I think if we got to a point where i mean heaven forbid we get to the point where we've we've destroyed so much of nature that we are realizing our demise is imminent like if that isn't the thing that brings us together 
right? To to sort of, I mean, right now, right now, that we're not there now. Well, well, (laughs) well. Here's the thing, right? We don't believe that we are. I mean, we've got to believe that we are. Is what I'm saying. If we get to the point where we believe that we are, and we're not going to believe that we are because the average person in America can go down to the grocery store and buy a pineapple basically any time of the year when it's not season for pineapples to be growing right so so we've lost touch with 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 seasonal foods and turns out in michigan there is no pineapple season (laughs) (laughs) good good point uh you you know so so i think yeah i think and and you know yeah we've 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 really lost touch with that yeah absolutely i mean i i think everything you guys have said is is totally on track and i and i think part of the uh part of the reason that things like this aren't embraced more widely as means for for change is that it's a slow process and we want things fast we want results now you know we elect people on these two-year congressional terms and expect you know make this happen now and do this now and we expect that of our football coaches uh, at least if we have more than sure, coaches in 40 years i feel a segue coming <laughs> no no I, I, I won't force you to go down that road oh, yeah, no, thank, thank you i know how much you love this i mean I, i'll just let you all go don't stop, don't stop on my account but but it's this it's this we want change now sort of mentality and you know the idea of planting a tree for example so that we can change the landscape or you know create shade in 30 years it's like well i could build something now and i can have shade this summer you know but yet the the acts of investing in the slower processes whether that's gardening or relationship building or or whatever it might be are the things that really can have deeper roots uh pun intended for longer lasting change it's just hard to you know but why can't we do both right i mean yeah. there 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 are some things we got to address now but the sure. things we do to address them now are not going to be sustainable long term. So we got to implement some long term strategies as well. We got to do the both hand. I, I agree. I agree. In the in let's say in the shade example, like we could plant a, a tree, uh, and we'd have to wait, and we want a certain you know uh, aspect you know change yeah, to cut down another tree to build a shade. Right, right. While you know, that so tree, we might we might use some sort of non renewable product. <laughs> instead of the tree to create the result now instead of the slower thing. So anyway. Every plan has the seeds of its own destruction. Zero trees. <laughs> <sighs> oh my goodness. And, and, and like how, like what role maybe does the, does the church or communities of faith have in, in looking at these slower means of change in sort of building discipleship or, or spiritual practices, you know, how, can we be places that embody this? Well, I mean, it, and like a lot of a lot of the work I'm doing right now is trying to like literally get churches to plant gardens. But but I I think if we actually look at you know what are my what what is my favorite parable. Um, series of parables is is 
uh, the parable of of the yeast and the parable of the mustard seed. Yeah. It's this idea that these these small things have these these ongoing effects. And if we started to think of our churches as places where, you know, I, I think one of the one of the one of the hard things about like having global news is we get overwhelmed with the enormity of global news. But if we start thinking of our churches as as centers of yeast, and as we start thinking of our, our churches as mustard seeds that can that can that can be planted in one place and have small continuous outgrowing effect. And and as I I I like to point out the fact that um, whether it's this, just that Jesus was trying to prove a point or if he was a city boy and didn't actually know how mustard seeds worked. Mustard seeds don't actually grow up into trees. They grow out like weeds. Yeah. And like if we start thinking of our actions as having like the effect of of weeds of of love and weeds of compassion and weeds of justice that kind of break through the cracks of our society, then like I think that's exactly what our churches can be is are these centers where we start thinking about the slow, uh, the slow, steady work of God. And I, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a great poem called sidewalk apocalypse that sort of talks about the power of a, a plant to sort of break through the concrete. Yeah. And, and like we grow everywhere, like weeds, Grow everywhere. Yeah, and you're talking about the concrete, but but everywhere else, right? Um, and and to your point about Jesus, yes, parable of the sower, another great example. You know, like that. That's not how people planted and so just <laughs> just flinging seed all over the place. Responsible way of growing. Things. Should it be the Should it be the parable of the drunken farmer? <laughs> something, something, something. I'm, I'm telling y'all, you know, my running theory is that Jesus turned to ministry because he was a failed carpenter. <laughs> my running th- Where was he for 30 years, right? Right? Trying to, yeah, trying to yeah, learn. Like gardening and carpentry. And carpentry. <laughs> that, that's my theory. Yeah, Stick actually, it's it. a little known fact, but in year 34, he was going to launch a new product line of carpentry <laughs> items. Uh, just never got did, off the ground. Did, did, not, did not make it. Did not make it. So my my wife is actually watching us. She says that I sound far away because I'm sitting far away from the mic, love. Um, <laughs> if I sit closer to the mic. Can you hear me better? <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, Tim on Facebook writes: Isn't gardening a seasonal activity? At least for us in the northern non-equatorial climates, a vegetable garden requires an annual effort as opposed to naturally renewing thing. But I, I, okay, so there's two, as my, <laughs> wearing my gardening nerd hat, there's two answers <laughs> to that question. Take them um, down, take them down. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. One, it can be a seasonal activity. And I think we need to also think of the fallow rest period as part of the process. Yes. Like the, the resting is actually a, a need for yep. the system to work. Um, but also we can, you know, create, you know, cold frames and stuff and keep our seasons going for a long time. Um, but I think I like the first answer better. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Also, there has to be like a Netflix binge period built into the the letting the ground do it. Right. I mean, (laughs) because 
because farmers back in the day really needed that binging season. Yeah, it's like bring it God indoors. Had so much foresight in creation. There you go. <laughs> a time to sew and a time to binge. There you go. <laughs> Show title. Show title. Exactly. Oh man. So there are times in life where we want to speed things up and times we want to slow it down. You've maybe heard the phrase hurry up and wait. If you had the power to do either, uh, which would you choose? Either to speed things up or to slow things down? Always slow, man. Always slow it down. Slow it all down. The the older, you get, older you get, slowing it down sounds better. Yeah, that's real. <laughs> I, you know, I think just, just, um, um, I think just in general, like I want to slow down life around my kids. Like I am just watching there, you know, there are these ages now where they're, they're growing and the beginning of independence is starting and you can already see the beginnings of wanting to be with friends more than wanting to be with us. And and like that's where the like can we pump the brakes on this dude i got a 20 year old who will not text me back so <laughs> they, they know like, they know they staving that off <laughs> I, I know but that's what i'm saying like, where, I, where i want things to slow down it's 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 yeah. there um you know there's there's so many things that i want to speed up like i feel like anything that has to do with like any sort of church decision making, <laughs> I want to. <laughs> um, but but no, like those moments around around the kids where you're just kind of like, oh wow, you guys, like it's it's the it's the the days are long, but the years are fast thing, you know. Exactly. Like, that's that's how this whole parenting thing is working, and it, I that's the part of it I don't like. Yeah, and the beauty of Facebook memories is Facebook reminds me how fast time is going. Like, I'll see something from six years ago when I had four children and then realize today I basically have four mini adults. You know, it's crazy. It is. You know, you 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 you, you said, Derek, about the whole, like, church, uh, speeding up church decisions. <laughs> you know, we, we, as, we as ministers often tend to rail against how how slow it takes for you know church to yes make a decision implement anything but on the rare occasions i've seen church decisions made quickly it, it, it tends to end up worse <laughs> right because usually if they're made quickly that means a whole bunch of people are left out of the decision making process and it's and this is a community thing yeah, and 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 it's a community there's lots of feelings there's lots of attachments there's lots of grieving there's there's a lots a lot so so the taking the time to make a decision is is really the time it's taking us to process and grow a little bit yeah. um with what the decision brings up i don't think any good decision is made quickly so i feel like you're calling me out right now personally Ogan. dude if the shoe fits <laughs> if the shoe fits at our at our last uh church leadership <laughs> team meeting i said oh uh we we sent a letter to the church or to the city council about energy and why you know how we want them to rethink their their energy plan and their footprint uh, based on our faith values and what's good for the planet oh i suppose i should send that all to you since i sent it from us nice 
as a, as a church planter, like as a, someone in a like single staff, like new church start, it, it's important for me to remember process buy-in, uh, yeah. you know, co-leadership. And it can be easy, you know, to go back to the early days when you were the decision maker to realize, no, everyone needs to buy in. Everyone needs to be a part of this process. Yep. Yeah. It's it's best that you don't make any of this of the decisions if for no other reason than plausible denial, denial later, right? <laughs> right? There's that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 even in our own, you know, personal individual lives, man, like slowing down, time to breathe, time yeah. to rest. I love I love the basically the the mantra of the nap ministry, like rest is yeah. resistance, right? Yeah. Like we're not caught up in this grind uh, we're not caught up in the in the in the need to to value ourselves by our production and output mm. like that that whole that whole thing is just it it it, it wounds us it hurts us it, it's literally killing us yeah. and it's and, and and we're shaming ourselves for it and we got we got turned that around and it's one of the things that i i really do think you know uh, you know i i i I hesitate to like jump to the what have we learned part of the pandemic but like we I really feel like we're missing the boat on the fact that life got got stopped for a little bit and like that stopping of life wasn't a bad thing right and and there was a lot to be mined from slowing down there was a lot to be mined from 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 just having things come to a halt to really stop and listen to our, our own internal voice to listen to those, the, our loved ones around us um, to listen to nature. Um, I, I, I really don't want to, I don't want to let that lesson get away from us. You know what I mean? Like, I really feel like there was a lesson there that needed to be learned. And I really hope that we, we at least in part learned it. Yeah. And I one think. of those important lessons is <clears throat> it's okay to say no and people will be all right. Yeah. Right. Because, because folks ask us to do things and we're like, no, there's a pandemic. Right. And, and they got on with life and it moved on. And now we're, we're, we're vaccine things are opening up and people are struggling with say no and i'm like did you not realize from the pandemic it was okay to say no yeah and it was this beautiful season where you know sometimes we think in whatever our vocation and and whatever our you know day-to-day -day lives look like you know in this day and age we tend to be busy and we tend to think you know all these things are necessary and when we had to sort of pause all of it it just gave us this beautiful glimpse at well, I can look at life totally differently. And maybe I was doing things that really I didn't need to do at all and don't need to do in the future ever again, you know, or I can do them differently. Like pulpit uh, ministry. <laughs> <laughs> like this dude who was like, yeah, I'm done with church. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you both are right. Like it just gave us this, this beautiful glimpse at, life being different and being able to say no, being able to let go and being able to say what things are necessary and what things aren't. And that's a, that's a gift. 
And and people have seen that. We've had people, you know, I, I laugh about my situation, but we've had people quit their jobs. We've we've had companies realize, you know, people some people are actually more productive at home. So now we we're gonna permanently give you the option to to work from home or come into the office if you want. To be clear, there's some things that that, that do better with in person collaboration, but you know, if 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 what you do for your job doesn't require that, you know, why why do it? People got clear, like, wait, I don't, I don't have to sit in an hour of traffic to, to get my job done anymore. Who knew? Yeah. Not doing that again. <laughs> and some people have moved because they've said, you know, yes. I want to live, I want to live on more land where I have more room to do X, Y, or Z. And some people have said, I want to move more urban because I want to be able to walk to things and I want yeah. convenience. So yeah. a lot of people have rethought a lot of things. And and it's sad, and it's, you know, not to go down a whole other segue, but it's sad that we had to lose half a million people um, in the process, right? I mean, you for, here we all like, look at these beautiful things that have happened. <laughs> I, just, I, just need to, I just need to name that. Like, like, there was a lot of good for a lot of people that came out of this, and there was a lot of loss, a so, lot so of tragedy. The pandemic was a bad thing? <laughs> I'm saying it was what it was, depending on who you are. No, thank you. That was a needed uh, boy. I you're, almost just breezed right on by. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right, and, but I, I think it's, but I think it's, it's you know, it's one of the things that. So Shannon did a, a, a sermon series on the twelve step program, mm. um, and like, I do think that for a lot of us, any kind of spiritual growth and understanding doesn't come without a rock bottom mm. and like i think that was a bit of a rock bottom for a lot of us and and yeah to be surrounded by that much grief and death i think was a rock bottom and i think that's where that's where a lot of um unfortunately because of the stubborn nature of humanity like sometimes you have to hit that that like really hard place before any positive change gets made. And it's, it's kind of a design flaw, but. Um, I don't think it's a design flaw. I think it's a good thing because then when we bounce up, if, or when we bounce up from that, then we can truly appreciate it on, on another on level, right? No, that's, yeah, that's yeah. True. It's, it's no more theory anymore it's like it's like it's like we, we feel this at our deepest level in our bones now so um i i, I think it's i think it's on, on some level a good thing that some of us have to learn that way and some of us get it without having to learn that way so i'm glad both both options are built in yeah so is magic immoral <laughs> that was a weird segue <laughs> I, don't, I didn't have a segue so i just jumped in um, so if you recall, uh, when the Harry Potter books came out, there was some resistance in some conservative Christian circles, uh, because of the idea of sorcery and witches and magic and, and all of that. And, uh, per at least one, uh, Christian historian, this attitude goes way back and we can look at the biblical story of Simon, the magician in Acts chapter eight, where he does these magical deeds to entice the Samaritans and convince them to follow him. But then Philip, who is a follower of Jesus, performs even more amazing miracles. This is sort of reminding me of like Moses versus uh, Pharaoh's magicians. Magic showdown. <laughs> Magic showdown. <laughs> but then Simon's 
Simon fails when he tries to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. So that was his, you know, he went too far there, tried to buy the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Apostle Peter rebukes him. And so this professor of early Christianity, uh, Shaley Patel, says that ancient authors invented the idea that the miracles of Christians possessed inherent moral superiority over non-Christian magic, but in elevating Christianity above magic, uh, some of these writers created false distinctions that linger even today. I think mar- magic is immoral only when it's not entertaining, because <laughs> if, you, if you're going to waste my time with some shady magic, that's immoral. That's immoral. You don't got time to waste. <laughs> don't have time. Even though we just, even though we just did a whole segment on the importance of slowing down and rest, I ain't got time to waste on bad magic. <laughs> no time to waste on bad magic. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so can I, can I just, and uh, Ogan, you maybe had this. Actually, you, you both maybe had this experience. So I, growing up, had the experience of like um, a lot of things. Um, like a lot of things being taken off of the menu in terms of being able to watch them because they included magic. And like, so at some point, He-Man was gone because He-Man used magic. Um, And uh, the Smurfs, (laughs) the Smurfs was a big one. Like I remember like Smurfs had a couple strikes against them. Um, But like there were, there were times and like I, I, I will I bring this up because like I had this um I had this very visceral reaction with WandaVision recently mm. where they're like uh, again Marvel thing but like they started talking about the fact that she's using magic and I'm right. like I'm not allowed to watch this <laughs> <laughs> you had flashbacks baby Derek got triggered oh <laughs> Yeah, like the, I got I got triggered. <laughs> like, you said by the power of Gray Skull, I'm gonna watch this. Well, and like, <laughs> and, like even you know, like even like to stay in the Marvel and like in, in the first Thor, they talked about like, well, in in Asgard, magic and science are kind of the same thing. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then like Doctor Strange goes full on magic. <laughs> there and you I'm go. Like no, no, <laughs> not allowed to watch magic stuff. <laughs> um, so like, I. And so now I'm like, this is silly. <laughs> yes. And I think that's where I, where all of the, all of that is taken to me is like in my 41st year of like, I'm like, <laughs> really silly. Better late and, than never, my friend. Better late than never. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, like the Smurfs were just the Smurfs. And, um, <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I think that there. It, it, it's a it's a show of a really uh, of like the real insecurity of Christianity at times mm. of like things that look like they're competing and all of a sudden we get bent out of shape yes. and it's 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 such an immature faith that that makes you get bent out of shape when you see something that looks like oh they're they're doing miracles they're they're in our territory they're on our turf um i I just like we should be we should be better than that like we 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 don't need to uh corner markets on those sorts of things like we we 
it, it just it just makes us look silly and immature. We don't need to do an Elijah versus the prophets of Baal showdown. I, I, I don't think so. You know, like I mean, it's a fun story. Like it's a fun story, right? Like that's a fun. that's a that is like an all time fun story. It is. But like, I, but that's the one that was used, right? Like that was one that was all. Yeah. yeah. How much fun was like, that? weren't weren't people beheaded at the end? Okay. <laughs> Listen, Debbie Downer. Yeah, there's a pandemic. And just, just making sure. I... And people died at the end of that story. But it's a fun story. Just making sure I got the right story. That's all. Just, just checking. It's been a while. Well, I mean, isn't that when when Elijah's like, oh, maybe your God, maybe Baal is taking a restroom break. You know, maybe yeah, your God's in the bathroom. <laughs> he was heckling. He was doing all sorts of stuff. Talking trash. Trash talking. Story. Then he brought down the fire and murdered them all. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Yes. I don't know that that's the story we want to aspire to. Look, God's magic is better than your magic. Exactly. And it ended well, in homicide. And 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 uh, as uh, Tim on Facebook says, what is magic? That's a great question. Is magic real? Uh, do miracles exist? And and yeah, it, those are all part of the conversation as well. So that's a great question, and I would say what we call magic is simply what we can't explain yet, right? So for for how long were things considered magic that now science can explain? Like if we brought an iPad back 500 years, it'd be like magic. 500 years, look, dude, my, grand, my grandparents, if they were still alive, would be You're freaking right. out over this thing, True. right? So, right. so, so, so like fire was considered magic at one point. Right. Well, right. Um, I still kind of consider fire magic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's the things that we don't have scientific explanations for. We, 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 you know, like I, I kind of think of magic as being a fictional device. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I, I don't give a whole lot of credence to, to the supernatural um in general in general right um i don't but know does jesus have an exception clause i'm gonna say no <laughs> well, well i mean because that begs the question right so then is are, are the miracles in the gospels or any other scriptural account are those fictional devices yes or are they exceptions to the rule no because god is involved and God does. It's just I know you're God asking, doing God things, which isn't are you, magic. Are you asking? Are you asking us to answer the questions? Or are you just throwing them out there because just throwing no. them out there to the the listeners? <laughs> no, fictional devices didn't really happen, right? And and to that point, okay, full confession, I wasn't there, right? And at the same time, you at, confess that. I, I confess that. I confess that I wasn't there. I wasn't there. Listen, I'm aging slowly, but I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> right. But at the same point in time, here in our time, we do have things like people spontaneously healing beyond beyond scientific explanation. Right. This that's reality. Things happen. We call it a miracle or magic because we can't rationalize the explanation of what happened because something defied our usual patterns of understanding. You know, part of magic, the illusionists take advantage of the of the fact that 
our brains process thing in a certain way and rely on patterns and when they can when they can circumvent those patterns then our poor brains don't know how to keep up right and all of a sudden we're like holy crap that person is actually levitating no no they're not right so so there's there's a lot in there that yes we can't understand and explain it doesn't make it to Derek's point uh supernatural and at the same time and at the same time there's much beyond our human understanding that we don't know about right so, so you know that common question of what happens after we die in the afterlife and all that sort of stuff are there is there a spirit realm is there a spirit realm i think there is do we understand how it works i don't think we do or some people connected to it and can commune with spirits yes do i personally believe that that you know when we die like is it like our human personality dies with us and and whatever's left goes on i don't know we're all in the question of it right but i think to your to the points we're making when we start labeling something as anti-god because it doesn't conform with our usual theology and we refuse to adapt the theology that's where we get into the stuckness of things that's where we get into the rejection of the thing and then of the people associated associated with that thing and now now it's back to exclusionary not inclusionary and here's and here's what i'll say um i, I won't speak as definitively i also wasn't there but i won't speak as definitively. were you as, there brian <laughs> as, i must as, confess as, um, <laughs> the, the thing for me about the miracles of jesus is like my like maybe they happened i don't need for them to have happened yes. for my faith to be intact that's that's for me what's 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 most important is like i there was a time in my life where i needed them to have like actually historically happened for my faith to be intact i don't need that anymore like my faith is still intact without them having without jesus having actually walked on water like if he did super cool wish i could have seen it would like to see someone do that at some point in the future. Um, but my faith is not affected by whether or not that happened. And and so I think that's one of the things that, you know, particularly as 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 more progressive Christians are are starting to define what our space looks like, I think we have to be more confident saying things like that. Yeah. Um that that um you know we we're not shutting off our scientific our scientific minds to have have a biblical faith um and that my my faith is intact whether or not jesus fed five thousand people from a couple of loaves and a couple fish or if a whole bunch of people just suddenly decided to share what they had right right spoiler alert spoiler alert i mean Either way, they're both miracles, right? I think both are miracles. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So the Oscar-nominated film, Minari, did either of you see that? I don't no, know. No segues at all. Can, can I? Can, <laughs> his, his non-segue is a segue. Can I say, uh, it might be the pandemic, but this is the first year that 
we had the Oscars and I saw absolutely zero of the films so that one. were nominated for Best Picture. I didn't even see Judas and the Black Messiah. I wanted to see that. Yeah, yeah. I saw didn't, didn't, didn't see any first year. Ever, usually I've seen them all, but none this year and still watch the Oscars because I'm a sheep. <laughs> still watch them. <laughs> that was a better segue, but thank you. So thank you. <laughs> and by the way, can I just rant a little bit? I'm sorry. How do you not give best actor oh. to Chadwick Boseman, right? And you know, and you know, it's gonna piss people off. So you you leave it to the last second, and you announce it, and then all right, folks, we're done for the night. Like surprise, old white so dude. pissed, so. I'm not pissed that Anthony Hopkins got it because all respect to Anthony Hopkins. The man is a legend. Okay. Give him his flowers. I, I'm not mad at that, at him getting it. I'm just saying like, why are you trying to keep getting people upset at you? (laughs) I I think it actually works in favor of showing the integrity of a secret ballot. Like they really didn't didn't know. And they were like, Oh, we gotta end this show now listen it's the first it is the first year that the the movie of the year was not the last category they knew somebody somebody in that production room knew and went like listen folks we we right. got we got a cut and run they they found got- out like the rest of us did and they were like oh no <laughs> All right, rant over. Continue. <laughs> no, fair enough. Uh, so, so, and, uh, so neither of us have seen the movie. <laughs> exactly. All right. So this this uh, film Minari um, talks about the centrality of faith for many Korean Americans and their experiences of church, both in Korean American churches and majority white churches. And um, a professor at uh, Azusa Pacific University, an evangelical. Uh, outfit or I should say university (laughs) in California uh, says their representation in the movie of the white church is both endearing and kind of cringeworthy. She says, even though there's not this intention to exclude just in the very teaching and the theology and representations, there can be this implicit message that some people do not reflect God's image as much as other people do so the question is, you know, what has your experience been around representation, welcome, and theology in the church? Are you trying to ease us into a discussion on racism? Is that is that where is that where you're going with this? Some I people do not. Re- I debated <laughs> just skipping this because this is a whole this is a whole one hour conversation. And- I Maybe mean, just come out and ask the question, man. By the way, don't want to go back to the last question, but I love Tim's comment on Facebook: Benny Hinn versus David Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> for those of us listeners who don't know who benny hinn is hit up youtube man you will you... so good <laughs> love me love me some benny hinn but all right having having not seen the film i i and i i actually like and also i have been to azusa pacific's campus it's beautiful um it's more than an I, I actually think it's really great that that they're making this observation that you know, um, I was in seminary before I saw Black Jesus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and and the fact that so many of our images that we use in our churches 
often really unintentionally. Um, like I, I really, I really don't like. There was a time when I think there was malice attached to it. I think that time mostly has passed in a lot of Christianity. Um, but but there is this like we have these stock white images of Jesus, so let's use them for our our stuff. And and when you are not white, you you feel that you feel that um, that that sense of like I am not a part of this story. Um, and so you know I think I think we have to be. Uh, what, so I took this class um, in seminary called Jesus's, Jesus Images and Experiences. And what's really fast, it was, it was a fascinating look at the, all the ways that Jesus has appeared in art throughout history. And one of the things that is really fascinating about even the missionary history of, you know, even with all of its, the colonial baggage, but the indigenous people of wherever the gospel was brought made an image of Jesus that looked like them. People always made an image of Jesus that looked like them because there is there is this need to have a God that looks like you and that includes you and that welcomes you and that loves you. And I think we need to be more, I think white majority white churches need to be in more intentional about using non-white images of Jesus and God and, and, and yeah. Yeah. And it's so important because this, there's this theological notion, obviously in Christianity that in Jesus, we have sort of divinity in human form. So how you portray that form is so critical to how you think about humanity and yourself. And, you know, that maybe there was a bit of obliviousness to these images um, but we are way past the time for being oblivious or not knowing yeah. the impact all that representation has. Yeah. And, and I also wonder, you so, know, when they, um, well, go I, ahead, Ogan. Um, uh, so when you talked about the feeling included just now, all of a sudden what popped to my mind was a song that we sung in Sunday school. And um, the lyrics of the song when Jesus loves all the little children, all the children of the world, red or yellow, black or white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Yeah. I grew up when I was a you know small child in Sunday school singing that song almost every week. I felt included, mm. right? I didn't. I didn't feel like the. I to your point, I took it for granted. Jesus was white because that's that's the image portrayed there i mean my grandmother bless her heart after i showed her pictures of black you know images i i you know icons of jesus she was like nope she she couldn't handle it the picture was wrong because jesus was white because that was that was her entire life experience right yeah. so so i didn't feel excluded from jesus's love if no other reason for that song and like that's the song that I have not heard in, I don't know, what am I, I'm about to be 47. I haven't heard that song in like, what, 38 years, <laughs> right? But, but 
but all of a sudden you say that and it and it and it triggers that because i'm really thinking did i feel i didn't belong in christianity because jesus looked white and i'm growing up in a country that's 98 percent black everybody in the church and maybe that's it everybody in the church next to me is black every pastor i'd ever experienced in my life before moving to the us at, at 20 was black you know the message was you know not outright liberation theology but liberation adjacent uh is, is the best way i could put it right so so I'm, I'm not i'm not going against your point i'm just re i'm just talking about my own experience yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. i i didn't i didn't feel excluded and at the same point in time as i got older and the my church experience changed then i began to realize mostly after the fact how much yes of the church experience was very centered in whiteness right so like a lot of the praise and worship a lot of the a lot of the the the, the church style the speaking style patterned very much after white evangelical church models and <clears throat> And I think that's a that's a to your point that we're all making. That's a thing church has to reckon with, especially the evangelical church. I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying this is where it shows up a lot. But all of us, how much how much of the church experience um, centers around whiteness, and we're not aware of it. Yeah. So quick quick aside, uh, when our daughter was about five uh, or six, she used to sing as she would fall asleep. And we heard her singing one night and I snuck over to listen and she was singing, Jesus loves the little children. And she goes something like Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, green and blue. And she, she started coming up with colors Making that are co not throwing in all the colors, all right. man. Not in the, not in the lyrics uh, or in the human complexion, but she was all about wearing colors. But to the point of that song, though, red and yellow, a little bit racist. Uh, well, <laughs> just gonna put that out there, just a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Yeah. I would hazard to say a white person wrote that song. <laughs> but, so, Brian, how do you how do you experience this question? Like, how do you think about this? in terms of your own like as a white person like you're you're wrestling with this idea of how we represent god jesus these characters from the bible like and and like i i feel like we 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 <clears throat> you know uh uh people of color, uh, we put a lot of the the onus of responsibility on you to like, you know, get your shit together. Yeah. Um, and 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 rightfully so. But right, like, right. but I but I but I do I do wonder like how do you how what is your wrestling with this question like? Yeah, I mean I, I think I I I'm sure I experienced many cringeworthy uh things growing up in, you know, white churches uh as I did and you know, as someone who now uh, pastors a church that is majority white, uh, but a progressive congregation where we have, you know, a, a, at least a, a raised and increasing, you know, increasingly learning awareness about these things, we we try to be very careful about how we um, represent Jesus and and you know which images we choose uh, to use. 
and 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 not just Jesus, but any imagery we might think about using in other ways, right? And in flyers or or, or website or, or whatever, right? To to just you know, um, to try to be mindful of you know our voicing the the biblical view that every human being is created in God's image, and that we actually have you know. So there's this idea we need to sort of correct historically for what Jesus probably actually looked like, but we also need to overcorrect because of all of the bad imagery that we've had over the years, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, you know, I continually have work to do uh, on the issue of, of race and, and my own privilege and, and the way racism infiltrates the church and society and, and, and our congregation continues to try to learn and and do our own work, knowing that we need to do that ourselves. Uh, those of us who are white. Yeah, I think, that, I think that's I think that's so important, and I think um, you know I, I I appreciate your saying that, and I think that yeah, there there is. I mean, we're we're at a point I think in our society, and I think what's what's hard about our society right now is that we're doing a lot of overcorrecting. You know what I mean? Like we're we're doing a lot of trying to compensate for uh, you know, centuries of getting it wrong. Centuries of bad behavior or yep. or or just or even like like not even sometimes it's centuries of bad behavior and like you have to own that it's bad behavior. Sometimes it's like centuries of benign neglect. Yeah. Of, of of ideas of thoughts of of um of compassion um that that we're we're gonna i think that's you know i think that's part of the why we are as polarized as we are right now is because there we're in a time where it feels like some massive overcorrection is happening um needfully needfully and and unfortunately that strikes many who aren't prepared for it who haven't done uh some of the work uh internally or haven't gone on a journey to bring them to a place where they see that's needed the overcorrection feels like assault and lack of rights and and all of that which results in the situation we're in <laughs> and to and to throw back to that question about hurry up and wait and and like uh, that that's the thing we don't need to wait for <laughs> like like yeah. that's the thing we don't need to wait for everybody to get on board for yeah, I, that, I that's one I, where I, I, I wish we could speed it up a little <laughs> exactly that might be the one that might be the one exception but that's but one. you know but um this is the this is the thing that uh uh what's his name uh ibram kendi who wrote the how to be anti-racist talks about is like we got to stop trying to win over hearts and minds because there's some hearts and minds that are never going to be changed. Let's focus on change in policy. And, you know, you know, we, we and so the example is like, you know, with same sex marriage, like how many people rail against same sex marriage being the beginning of the downfall of all sorts of civilization, right? Law changed. It's the law of the land. And people moved on. No one's no one's no one's railing against it. No one's well, pointing to well, I mean, railing, railing against it in terms of see the law change and here's how civilization declined, right? right. There, there, there's no evidence of the, yeah. ex exactly. Right now, it's just like it's very clear. This is just your your bigotry, 
because none of the nightmare scenarios that you said would happen when this law passed are happening, right? So, so, so the proof is against you. So that's what, so, so yeah, let's change the laws and then let people catch up and let people realize that when, when the laws benefit the disenfranchised, they actually benefit all of us. And that's kind of how I feel about this whole moment we're in politically where people are, you know, railing on Biden for not being bipartisan enough. And it's kind of like, you know, what? no matter what the Democrats propose right now, the Republicans yeah. are not going to be on board, even if it was something, you know, the Republicans wrote themselves, it seems, just because they want... It's a, I don't know. It's just frustrating. And so it's like, do you wait for bipartisanship or do nope. you just get the things done that need to be done and trust that Americans will? Well, here's, here's the a weird, here's a weird thing. Bipartisanship among the population and amongst the population, the politicians are two different things, right? Right. Because when you look at all the polls, yep. the majority of people are supporting these proposals because it benefits everyone right. it's the politicians who are caught up in this separatism not the population and last i checked they were supposed to be working for us but i don't know i i think that if you're a republican or a democrat and your representative is trying to oppose the thing that you're supporting like and there's a majority rule and you know, that what democracy is supposed to be about then we should Say something, and I loved I loved the example of when, uh, you know, they were trying to do away with the Affordable Health Care Act. Like there was this uprising on both sides of the aisle in the population, Republicans and Democrats, but mostly Republicans are showing up, yelling at their senators and their representatives, and 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 talking about, yeah, we hate Democrats, but you know what? This Affordable Care Act saved the life of my partner, of my wife of my son, of my daughter. And if you do away with it, we are never gonna vote for you again, right? So it's like, change the law. <laughs> it's a law that benefits everyone. And then you're good. You gotta, cause when the real world evidence shows up, then people aren't gonna be against you, no matter what party you're in. I feel like this is just a prelude to you making an announcement about running for office. Is that <laughs> what's happening? You know, here? listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't go there mister i was i was i love it i, I was love, um, i was almost i was almost a house representative don't go there <laughs> don't throw stones in a glass house is all i gotta say <laughs> all right well we're gonna wrap this up uh thanks for the great conversation thanks for joining us derek it's great to have you this week my pleasure happy to be here happy birthday shannon love you happy birthday shannon happy birthday shannon And thank you, friends, for tuning in. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. You'll get access to extended interviews with special guests. You can listen to the pre and post show banter, which you don't want to miss. Visit patreon.com slash PT live to get started. And of course, a big thank you to our current patrons. You can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Not only tune in on those platforms, but please rate us there. That helps other people find the show when you give us five stars. And if you want to watch us live, you can do that on Facebook on Wednesdays around 4.15 Eastern, sometimes 4.30. 
And if you'd like to start a pub theology conversation group in your town, visit pubtheology.com for all the resources you need. Until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. So uh, this just in, uh, the U.S. Justice Department have charged the uh, three gentlemen who uh, killed Ahmad Arbery with a hate crime. Mm. Yay progress. Wow. Wow. Fantastic. I mean, it took him a while, but yay progress. Did you hear that, Derek? What's that? Uh, the U.S. Justice Department charging the, uh, the, the three... Uh, white supremacists who killed Ahmad Arbery, charging them with hate crime. So I'm like, it took a while, but we got. But how did how did that? <laughs> how did that take? Something? That was a year ago, February 2020. More than a year. More than a year. Yeah, you're right. More, that was pre-pandemic. Yes, that was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. But thank God they're finally doing. The right thing. Finally. <laughs>